Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. God in 2015, not knowing what's next and writing on the card. I remember being a recent university grad in 2015, not knowing what's next and writing on the card. Uh, that I was looking for a community where I could love others, serve, and build community, find a family. I remember visiting KW just a month after that and going to the embassy uh, the first night that they were at Maxwell's uh, for the Church in the Wild series and thinking that I had found the community that I was looking for when I had written on that card. Having made the decision to plant ourselves in Kitchener-Waterloo and at Slate Church, I remember joining the first married couples connect group and being asked as newlyweds to lead this group um, with couples that were twice our age and knowing that this was the place where we, uh, where we needed to find ourselves and where we needed to serve. I remember having Eden, our oldest, dedicated, I think she was the fourth dedication at Slate Church, uh, two of the other ones probably being the Richardson kids, but I just remember that being such a special time and our kids' ministry being so small in Maxwell's in the storage room, uh, but just having the vision that it would grow. I remember us needing more space for kids and families to be discipled and moving to the Inn of Waterloo and the blood, sweat, and tears that went into that season as a team. Um, yeah, just setting up and creating that space for our kids to be discipled and to grow. Here we are now with roots deep in KW, growing our family. Here we are now as a parent, seeing my kids grow in their faith, seeing them discipled every week, seeing these theaters full of so many kids and families coming to our amazing kids ministry. Here we are now, not running off of previous vision, but having fresh vision for the future. What if there are other university students like me? What if somebody sitting on the other side of this video is looking for that same community? What if there's more for the generations to come? What if this is just the beginning of that intergenerational church? What if God is calling us to be courageous again? I do have a thought though, because um, halfway through I was like, we are recording this. I wonder if maybe we could share what was just shared in our service, because I think it would speak to you. Um, I think it would speak to people that that uh, aren't aren't a part of this, and also be able to show the heart of our leaders. But what I would like is just to take the next five minutes before I continue, just sharing um, a few of the things that Heart for the House has, uh, a few of the ways in which Heart for the House has been a blessing to you um, over the past few uh, number of years. We've been giving a Heart for House for a little bit, and I remember my first ever 
kind of heart for the house. I don't even actually know if this was a heart for the house technically that we did. This was like the first year you guys were at Embassy, Brandon and Emma. And I uh, remember I had like, I think like $1,400 in my bank account um, of like spending money for the term. But like all my like food expenses, everything else was covered. So like I didn't have anything I needed. I didn't need any money to live that term. But I had like $1,400 of spending money. And I felt called to like give uh, a thousand of it that year to the church um, going into that school year. And I remember I gave it and I had given a gift before I went to school to the chair to like a church thing and then had gotten a scholarship I hadn't even applied for. So I was kind of expecting it to work like that again. Uh, and then I just never got the money back and I just gave it to church. Um, but it was really cool because that was also the time in my life when I was trying to get off of partying and it was the year that all my friends and I turned 19 and they were going to bars and doing all this different kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, and I actually just wasn't able to do any of that. And it was a really huge like blessing in disguise because it kind of protected me from a lot of stuff there. And then we've just been able to give every year and it's just been better and better every year since then. It's really cool. That's a big sacrifice for us to do. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, so Heart for the House 2018 was uh, the day before that I had looked at houses, which was in and of itself miraculous, and I should not have been in a position to buy a house. I had put in an offer the day before Heart for the House, had already come into Heart for the House with the number I was going to give. Very first service was God, God was like, I want you to double it. And I was like, sir, you, we, we can barely make a house work. There's just no way. <laughs> There's just no way. Um, and then he was like, you know, I, you know, I've, I've done this miracle for you. Can't I do another? And so, um, yeah, gave what God asked for heart for the house and, uh, and he just provided. And it was the next day in just like a really small way. I was like, okay, I know I'm going to have to cut back on these specific things. And then I really felt like I was supposed to go to Starbucks because there was a, a barista that we were building a relationship with and talking to him about Jesus. And I was like, God, we just talked yesterday about how you asked me to give more and I don't have extra money. Um, but I went and I got like, it didn't even have a good conversation with him about Jesus. It just felt like it was a waste. And then I got back to my car and just like right by the driver's side door was 20 bucks. And I was, and it was just God showing that he was going to provide in, in ways that I was not expecting. That's that's awesome, Candice. Thank you for sharing. Michaela? I've been able to participate in the past few Heart for the Houses, which has been um, always like an encouraging season in my life. But before that, I wouldn't have like been able to be a part of Heart for the House seasons at Slate Church if it wasn't for that first Heart for the House Monday. Um, and even like I walked into Slate Church in on its launch day in 2017 if it weren't for that like handful of students who like stepped out and actually gave towards something that was um there was like only vision around that and a lot of prayer and expectation um and i'm sure a lot of like other things like fear and stuff that came along with that of what that would look like but if it weren't for those people being faithful like i've been a direct um like benefit of other people's faithfulness to slate church and to what like god has called them to in their finances through that sacrificial giving through heart for the house and so I mean, I've been able to, like, find such great community. Like, I found, like, a really, like, great calling here at Slade Church. And just, like, I couldn't imagine my life without it. And so, um, and what God has been able to do through the people, through our pastors, and just all of it has been so impactful. And so, like, yeah, I love Harper the House season because I think about people like me who are yet to still be reached on the other side of some of these things. Because uh, my life is just, like, 
like radically different because of other people's faithfulness and like I'm so thankful for it. Okay. So um that's why you should participate in Heart for the House. Emma and I love you guys a lot. Like a lot a lot. And we're really thankful for this church and we couldn't do this without you. So thanks for partnering with us through this next season and really excited for Heart for the House and some of the things we're gonna be talking about. The words ring out as the Lord speaks to Joshua. Promises extend from east to west. Other nations are set to fall. The Lord affirms, I will be with you. And then an encouragement, a command, an identity shift. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. As Joshua stands at the edge of potential, At the precipice of God's plan, his focus shifts. Not left, not right. Not my plan, but his. Not my timing, but his. Not my vision, but his. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. God is with me. God goes first. It's time to cross the Jordan, to occupy the land, to make the move. It's time to be courageous again. Good morning. Good morning. I love this season. I love that we get to talk about uh, this theme of being courageous again. And as Nate and uh, Sarah Ruth mentioned, to go and check out that vision video from last week, because it really gives a little bit more of a framework of where we're headed as a church. And we would love for you to know and, and be part of that and know what's going on. And, you know, this is, a, this is a great season for us. We love this season for Brandon and myself and really our whole team because it's one that kind of reorients us in a lot of different ways, right? We've got the vision of what is coming next and we're excited to share that and, and what's going on. We've got Heart for the House coming up on May 7th and we're preparing for that and looking forward to that. And then we've got these couple of weeks right in the middle where we are able to kind of get a better framework on our finances, right? And this isn't just out of a place of going, okay, uh, we want to make sure that you have a, a good solid foundation on finances so that you can give more. That's really not what this is about. It's about saying, hey, we talk about money a lot. We think about money a lot. Money is extremely stressful. And um, I don't know if you're living in the same world I'm living in, but it seems like everything is getting more expensive and there's more expectation. There's more things that are being asked of us. And how do we navigate this from a godly perspective? Like, how do we actually approach our finances from a place where we actually feel settled and grounded and understand from a spiritual perspective, understand what God's word has to say around our finances. It's really important that we do that. That's how we're going to have that freedom. That's how we're actually going to have some breathing space and breathing room when it comes to money. You know, I'm excited to share with you. We're going to read in just a second. But uh, Brandon says hello. He is not here this morning. He is traveling. He's with a, um, a small kind of cohort of leaders and pastors and things like that. And they've been actually taking the past couple of years at different points in time to learn and grow and train together and, and, and deepen in their understanding of church and leadership and God and all of these pieces. So he is um, in the States today. He's actually going to four different churches today. And I was like, just stay open. 
just see what God wants to do. That's a lot of churches. That's a lot of, but, uh, I think it's going to be great for him. So he is away, but he says, hello, he is missing us. He'll be back next week as well. So we're going to dive into scripture this morning in first Timothy chapter six. We're going to be starting in verse six. We're going to bounce around a little bit, but I want to set the stage for you. If you're not as familiar uh, with the Bible, with scripture, maybe with first Timothy, basically this is a letter coming from Paul. We've talked a lot about Paul and maybe you know who Paul is. We've talked a lot about Paul in 2023 so far. And Paul wrote most of this second part of our Bible, the new Testament, as he was planting churches and encouraging churches and being used by by God in pretty miraculous ways. And he's writing to Timothy. And Timothy is a young leader in the church, and, and he's very close with Timothy, and he is kind of instructing him and giving him some understanding and some vision and direction for the church in Ephesus specifically at this time. You see, when it comes to the church in Ephesus, Paul brought the good news of Jesus to this church uh, in a prior season to this. And then Paul, of course, continued on his journeys and continued to plant churches and continued to do all of these things. And and now he has sent Timothy to go and be with the church in Ephesus, a really affluent place, a place where people had a lot of money and a lot of um, resource and things like that. And he's instructing him in a lot of different things. You know, as Paul has left, false teaching has come into play, uh, different spiritual ideas have come into play, and the church in Ephesus is, is trying to get it sorted out, and so Paul's giving Timothy, Timothy some really direct instruction of this is what you need to do, this is how you're going to approach this, this is how you're going to handle all of these different kind of topics and things that are going on. And one of those things, towards the end of the letter, after Paul talks about false teachers, he talks about money. And he talks about finances. And it's really helpful because it actually gives us a bit of insight as believers today of what it looks like to live faithfully with our money and our finances and, and to do this from a godly perspective. And so in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, it says this, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Jumping down to verse 17, he goes on to say, Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Why don't we pray, and then we're going to dive into this a little bit more this morning. God, I thank you that we can talk openly about finances, something that affects every single one of us. But God, I also thank you that you are not silent about it, that you give us some direction in your word, that you help us to understand it from a bigger perspective. So Lord, today I just pray that you would speak through me, God, that you would equip me here. But Lord, I also pray that we would just be open to what you have to say to us this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, the reality with finances and money is that it is a stressful topic for many of us. 
in some capacity, in some way, oftentimes this is something that we kind of cringe at that we're like, do we really have to address this? Like I would much rather just talk about something that makes me feel great and feel good and feel encouraged to go take on the week. Can we just have some sort of motivational piece here? And then I'm going to, I'm going to feel a lot better about this. Like I, I try to avoid my finances at all costs. It's stressful for a lot of us. Our current financial climate is not an easy one to be navigating. And, and it's something that often carries a lot of weight and a lot of challenge for a lot of people. For some of us, maybe in this room, we have a lot of wealth. We actually have a lot of uh, money when it comes to our jobs or it comes to our savings, our investments, whatever that looks like. And maybe we actually feel this responsibility of wondering, how do we use this? Like, how do we actually operate in a way that is godly with what he has handed to me? For some of us, we, we actually have very little. And, and the stress of that and the worry and the fear of what that means for us or our families or our lives, that actually is kind of debilitating and really heavy as well. But for many of us, whether we have a lot or a little or somewhere in between or we go through different seasons and ups and downs and the roller coaster of finances, for a lot of us, there is shame and guilt and uncertainty and weightiness and fear around money. Sometimes we just avoid thinking about it, right? Where it's like, I'm just not going, I'm just going to like put my bills set to automatic because I just don't really want to see it. Like I just, I'm just going to avoid it. I'm not going to open up my bank statement. I'm not going to open up that credit card bill because I just, I just want to avoid it. And we sink into this place of shame going, if anyone knew, like if I had to open up my finances right now, if I had to open up my bank account right now and like just throw it up on the screen, some of us would be like, really terrified by that because there's shame. If anyone knew how I spent my money, if anyone knew how much I spent on online shopping or on Amazon last month, if anyone knew what my debt load looked like, man, I'd be cast out. I would be set aside if anyone knew. For some of us, we're we're really obsessed with it. We're constantly checking stocks and we're constantly checking uh, interest rates and rates of inflation, all these different pieces. We're just so obsessed with money and what that looks like in our lives. And our perception of money is shaped by a lot of different things, things we learned in school, our families of origin, our history with money, where it's come from. Uh, in our marriages, we bring in two different perspectives of money and try to mix that together and see what that looks like. And it causes a lot of challenges and issues in marriages. Finance is one of the top things that married couples argue about. And we have different philosophies around it and, and how it's going to bring happiness and how it's going to bring all these different pieces to us. And money is a big thing. It's a weighty thing. And there's a lot of different perspectives. There's a lot of different places that we think about money in our lives. And in this series, we have this incredible challenge here to speak to all of that, right? There's such a challenge in this as I'm standing here going, okay, like, how do we possibly speak across the board to the person here who is wondering how they're going to get to church this morning because they can't put gas in their car to the person that is going, what do I do with this investment that I have an opportunity to go into? We have such a span of situations sitting right here in these seats. And we get to look and see what God's word actually says to us. Because one question that we ought to be asking if we are followers of Christ in this place is how can we be faithful with our money? And Paul gives us some insight as he's writing to Timothy. And in verse 6, he points out that godliness with contentment is great gain. 
Often when it comes to our finances, we're looking for ways to gain. We're looking for ways to get ahead. We're looking for ways to have more. But right out the gate in this, uh, this piece of scripture, what we have, what we're faced with is this philosophy around life. This philosophy around finances, how we perceive it, how we approach it, what our mindset is towards it. And that is the starting point for us this morning. As we look for ways to gain and ways to be satisfied, Paul point, Paul lays it out for us that godliness, living and following the words and the ways of Jesus mixed with contentment, that's actually where we're going to feel gain. This is countercultural. This is part of that upside down kingdom where it doesn't seem to make sense from the outside perspective. But this is where we are actually going to feel satisfied. If we are seeking God first and we operate with this contentment, not chasing more, chasing more, chasing more, that's where we're actually going to feel like we have gained something. And of course, we can be sitting here and going, okay, Paul, that sounds good. But I mean, I would also feel like I gained if like the prices at the grocery store would actually come down a little bit. Like I might actually feel like I gained if I could afford to like do some landscaping at my house or get something in my house fixed. I would feel like if I I gained, if I could just get rid of that student debt, then I would actually be like a step ahead here. Or maybe if I could go on vacation or maybe if I didn't have to worry about retirement or then maybe I could agree with you here that I have gained something. How can we possibly be content in all things when we have so much to be stressed out about, when we have so much to be anxious for? You know, I'm thankful that these words are coming from Paul, a man who understood the ups and downs and the stresses and opportunities and different seasons of life. He writes to the church in Philippi in another uh, book of the Bible, thanking them for the gifts that they had sent to him. And he says this in Philippians 4.11, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So what's the secret? He says, I've learned the secret. What is the secret? With the ups and the downs and the roller coaster of life, what is the secret? God. Like, it's a simple answer. It feels simple to our complex world, and yet God brings a simple solution. The world is constantly putting different desires in front of us. John in 1 John talks about the desires of the eyes, the desires of the flesh, the pride of life. These things are being put in front of us all the time. But if we want to have any fighting chance when it comes to satisfaction and gain and around finances as well, We need to seek out and pray for this godly contentment. That is our starting point. I wonder what it would look like for us to be content when it came to our finances, when it it came to our money, when it came to opportunity. What would it look like for us to start in a place of contentment? That in every circumstance, through his strength, we don't have to worry. We don't have to stress. We don't have to debate or doubt. We can have peace in our finances. You know, I love looking into research and specifically for myself, an interest in um, psychology is that's kind of my other background and area of study and, and work and things like that. But I find it fascinating with psychology because the more that we study human behavior, the human mind, the human brain, all of these sorts of things, the more that we study it, the more that we learn about it, the more that I find that it just simply affirms 
what scripture has said for thousands of years, right? Like the more we're like, ah, look at this new research, new finding, incredible. If we just are, are mindful and have peace in our lives, like it's going to help us. It's like, yes, thank you for affirming that and confirming that. But, but psychology tells us that when we are stressed out, when we are anxious, when we are filled with fear, all of these things, what happens in our brains is that basically there's this area at the front of our brains called the prefrontal cortex. Track with me. I'm not here long. The prefrontal cortex, and basically when we get overwhelmed, when we get flooded, when we have this anxiety, it kind of shuts down. That's not what is firing. And what happens is the amygdala, part near the back of our brain, starts going a little bit crazy. And, and that's where that fight or flight response comes in. And, and we're just operating out of emotion, and we're just kind of on the move with that. What we need is that prefrontal cortex to wake up again because that is where reason and rationale and logic lives. That's where we can actually make sound decisions. We don't want to be in panic mode when it comes to our finances. We want contentment, calm, peace, mindfulness. These are the things that actually allow our brains to operate in a way that we can make good and wise and logical decisions in our lives in a lot of different areas, including around our money. Godliness with contentment is great gain. It benefits us in all areas. But Paul goes on to remind us that everything is temporary. We came into this world with nothing and we are leaving with nothing. Everything is temporary that we have. So how do we handle this? How do we practically understand and perceive money in a God-honoring way? Maybe the solution is that we just live with nothing, right? There's some ideology about this. Just give everything away, live with nothing, be poor, call it a day. Is it actually wrong to have money? How do we look at this? And the church has asked these questions and put out different understandings and statements and books and sold them uh, like crazy and made lots of money but said don't have any money and it's all... What do we do? Our starting place is contentment. Our reality is that God is in control. We need to remember that. That in itself can allow us to breathe easier. And then we need to look at the teaching that Paul gives to Timothy. He tells him that the love of money is a root of all kind of evil. You know, our world is obsessed with money and the potential happiness or the expected happiness that would come with it that always seems to just kind of fall short. And we recognize that money is necessary. We do need money. We do need income. We need finances. But when we become obsessed with it, when it becomes an all-consuming focus, something that we are chasing, it often leads us into a place that is away from God. The focus turns inward onto ourselves, what we have, what we don't have. We become so laser-focused on it. And Paul is saying that the desire to get rich is a trap. That's not going to fulfill all of your needs. It's not going to bring this happiness. It shifts our focus from God onto ourselves, And it's a feeble attempt to find life to the fullest in our, in our own power. It's this belief that God is in some way holding out on us. And that we deserve or should have more. When we are discontent with what we have and what he has given to us when we are trying to spend outside of our means when we are trying to live a life that somehow tries to keep up with somebody else and what they have and we feel like we deserve more 
Why does this person get to do that? Why does it seem simpler for that person? Why do they get to go on that vacation? Why are they buying those things? Why do they have that big house? Like, I feel like I should have something. I deserve more. And we focus onto ourselves and try to take hold on something as though God is holding out. And this is the same lie that's presented to Adam and Eve in the garden, that somehow God is holding out on you and you should just take it yourself. We have to be careful that this desire for more, this desire for power, this desire for self-satisfaction and money and riches, that it doesn't become our focus because this is what leads to a self-serving destruction. So what is our perception of money? Like, are you playing the comparison game and looking to everybody else? Are you avoiding money in general? Do you feel like having more would actually solve your problems Are you putting your trust in yourself? And these are important questions to reflect on this morning. But something that I want to address is that having money is not wrong. Like having money, whatever amount you have, is not wrong. We don't have to feel guilty in this place if we actually have a lot of money. But we also don't have to feel like we are in a place where we need to have a lot of money, right? We're going back to this contentment. Sometimes we can become self-righteous as Christians and think that we just shouldn't have anything at all. And that doesn't benefit, really, the vision that God has put forward. Just a couple of verses later from the passages that we read, Paul addresses those who are rich. He doesn't say, give it all away, you terrible people. How dare you have that filth in your life? He speaks to their mindset, their philosophy around their wealth. And I think as much as many of us have a wide spectrum of wealth in this place, we do need to recognize that in Canada... We do have a lot of opportunity. We do have a lot more than other places in the world do. We do have money, so to speak, money in our banks, money that we can use and utilize. So I think that this part is really actually important for us to to understand. Whether you feel like you have nothing or you have a lot, this philosophy around money is significant. He says this. He says not to be arrogant. Don't be arrogant. If you have a lot of money... Don't be arrogant about it. Don't put your hope in your wealth. It is fleeting. There is no guarantee that that is going to continue and that's the trajectory you're going to have. That is fleeting. It is not a strong foundation. He says, put your hope in God. And then he encourages those that have finances, have money to do good, be rich in good deeds, and be generous. This focus is not on ourselves. This focus is outward on to others. Be generous with it. Do good. Be rich in good in good deeds. Make sure that your mindset and that your heart is right towards money. You know, I think that there's obvious ways that some of us put our hope in money. Right? There's some things that that are really obvious to us. Think like thinking and talking about it all the time. Our hope is probably found in money. Believing that if we had more, we would be happy, right? Our hope for kind of the good life is in money. Seeking out material things in order to feel good, our hope, again, is found in money. But there's also ways that are really just not so obvious when it comes to putting our hope in money. And I think some of them are this, not not consulting God about our finances. That's a way that we probably have our hope in money instead of God. Being closed off spiritually to God's direction in your life because of how it could affect your finances. Right? If God's calling you to do something, God's calling you to give, God's calling you to go somewhere, God's calling you to switch careers, whatever that looks like, and you're just going like, ah, but my finances, my stuff, how do I handle that? Not tithing. Complaining about those who are in need. Thinking that having tons of credit card debt 
is normal. And going on trips with a line of credit in order to just feel something or keep up is the appropriate way to use our, our money. That, like, we're probably putting our hope in money in some of these sneaky ways as well. But what we're seeing here is that Paul is commanding Timothy to teach the church in Ephesus some pretty simple principles. Be content. Don't chase after money. If you have money, don't put your hope in it. And be generous and do good. These are simple concepts that are so hard for us to actually live out. What would it look like to be content with the finances that you have? Now, I recognize that there are challenges to that and there are difficulties. How do I do that when I have this bill coming out, when I have this debt that's coming up, when I have these things going on, when all of a sudden interest rates have affected my mortgage payments so much that I'm trying to figure out what that looks like in my life? I've got some real worries here, here, Emma, and this is just a little bit too basic, a little bit too simple. Start with contentment. Start with seeking out God. How do we think of our money? Is it God's? Can we trust him with it? God's provided everything for our enjoyment, but we need to seek out his kingdom first. Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You don't have to worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to do, how you're going to handle it. Seek first his kingdom. You know, I think an important theme that comes out of this passage of scripture that Paul is talking to Timothy about is that he's really advocating that we would love God's work more than money. That our focus would be on what he is doing. This idea will change how we organize our finances. It will change how we perceive it. It will change how we we see extra money that comes in. It'll shift our perspective on happiness and it will reorient us towards obedience and generosity. Now, worship team, you can come on back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close here this morning. You know, we've been talking about this heart for the house season quite a bit. And it's a time where we do talk a lot about money. And this can feel a little bit like, okay, like, I don't know what to do with this. I'm both scared to ask God what he would have me give because I don't really know what that means or what that looks like or what that could be. And it's also a time of going, okay, how do I actually look at my finances and perceive it and have conversations about it that aren't going to be so stressful, that aren't going to necessarily uh, cause issues in my household, that aren't, how do I even begin to approach this? I think it's important for us to recognize that if our starting point is a place that God is in control and I'm going to seek him first, I'm going to surrender this to him, that he is not going to fail you. He is not going to step away from you. Don't be short-term with God, right? We need to trust him for the long run. We have this opportunity to give above and beyond into the vision that God has really placed on our hearts as pastors for Brandon and myself. Last week we talked about education and what that means to educate um, both in the shorter term and opportunities for a gap year program, opportunities for internship, these different ideas, and then what that means on a larger scale as we take over leadership of a Bible college in this city and all of those pieces and vision for renewal of the church in Ontario and starting a network to see churches thrive and, and people lead well and, and just resourcing these churches that are dying. And then also building our local church and renovating this property at 100 Fergus that God blessed us with so that we can meet there and be there. But really seeing that as a catalyst and an opportunity to plant more churches and see more happen and 
it's exciting for us to share this vision, but really this is just like the tip of the iceberg. I wish you could get into uh, specifically Pastor Brandon's mind and heart because the thing, like he'll come home and say things to me and there's a tone in his voice that when he says it, I know it's from God and I know it's going to happen and it scares me a lot. And I just try to meet that with faith and hear what God's saying to me and what that means and what that looks like. But there are exciting days ahead for Slate Church. But we need to sometimes get a little bit granular with things and go, okay, what is God doing personally in my life? This message is simple today. It's a simple concept of saying, what's my philosophy towards money? What is my mindset? Am I willing to find contentment in it? Am I willing to trust God with it? And do I want to shape and organize my life around that? It's hard to break certain habits with our finances. It's hard to change how we've looked at things. It's hard to cut back on spending. It's hard to open ourselves up to generosity when it feels like we are hardly making ends meet. It is difficult, but I encourage you today, take that all to God. He sees it. He cares about it. He knows that this is a stress for us. He knows that this is a significant piece for us. And we need to be honest and open about it. And if you're dealing with some really practical challenges, like I don't budget or I'm, I'm so deep in debt and I don't know what to do with that, or I have this extra wealth and I have no idea how to handle it, and talk to somebody. Like we have a great resource here within our church and skill sets. Talk to somebody in your local. Be open what's going on. You can do basic budgeting with Ben. I think I got that right. Financial freedom courses. Also, there's lots of resources right in our community. In our Talk to somebody. Get honest. Get open about it. Don't let finances be something that holds you back from being a part of what God wants to do through and with you. Don't limit God because of our own fears, our own doubts, our own pride, our own selfishness. That's not what this is about. Start with contentment. We need to get our focus on to Jesus. You know, I think one thing I want to say, I'm going to wrap up here, mindful of time. I think sometimes that we can fall into this place where with God, our, our finances can become a bit transactional. And I don't think that that's actually helpful for us. Like, okay, God, like if I open this up to you, if I give to you, like you've got to give me something back, right? Like I'll I'll do this transaction, but then you've got to do something for me. So like, I'm going to give, but you need to be faithful back to me. And I'm really looking for X, Y, and Z. I really want a spouse, or I really am, am looking just for you to bless me in these ways, or I really need that new job opportunity, or you know, God, what I need. So if I just give to you, then maybe you'll give something back to me. And the thing is, when it comes to generosity and surrender, it needs to be no strings attached. And that's a mindset shift that we need to approach and have in our lives. I remember a few years ago for Heart for the House, Brandon and I, every year we're kind of praying about it for weeks and, and looking about what this could be. And I remember God giving us a number that was very significant for, the, uh, for us at the time. And, and it felt like way more than we felt we could give. But there were these things that were confirming it. And I remember going, okay, God, like we will give this amount. But in a few months from now, if you could have it top, our, our savings account top back up to that place, that would be great. Like that was kind of my expectation going in. Like, okay, God, we'll give this amount because the year prior, that's what happened. So this year I was like, okay, God, like we'll give this amount because I know that that's gonna, that's gonna come 
into play. Like it could be just back at X amount here. And you know, we always love a story from stage, from a video that goes like, and like, and boom, God provided my cup runneth over straight into my bank account. It wasn't just the same amount. It was double the amount. And we love that story. And that is not what happened at all. That whole year I was like, oh man, like finances just felt so tight and it felt difficult. And it was like, man, but we gave, right? Like we gave what you said in heart for the house. But what does it look like for us to actually just surrender? Just continue to trust God. We have to ask ourselves, where is our hope? Is it in our bank account? Is it in our finances? Or is it with God? I personally am in this constant place of surrender. Brandon finds this easier than I do. And in years since that point, God has asked us to give double what that amount was. And we've done it faithfully. And it's incredible when I look at the scope of God working in our lives. As we time after time, step after step, operate with our hope in God, not our hope in our finances doesn't mean it's not stressful at times. doesn't mean that it's not difficult at times. doesn't mean that when I see two bags of chips for $13 at Zares, I'm not like freaking out. Like, I guess I'm not eating chips anymore. Like, it doesn't mean those things. But there is so much freedom when you love God's work more than money. When you orient your life around God. When you ask him, you bring him into your finances. You don't seek after just getting rich and having more and bringing more material in, but you actually operate in how can I be more generous? How can I give more? How can I, how can I live my life in a way that is so honoring to you, God? And it shifts how we do it. There is freedom in that. So today I very, I want to pray for contentment because I think that this is the key starting point. Godliness with contentment, that's great gain. And so many of us are after great gain. And that's where we're going to find it. So why don't you stand up wherever you are this morning. You can just close your eyes. If you're just in a place this morning where you're going, okay, I need some contentment when it comes to finances. When it comes to money specifically and the stress of that. Would you just put yourself in a posture of surrender? That's arms raised in some capacity, hands up, arms out in front of you. What does it look like to be content today? God, we just surrender to you. For so many of us, this is a really heavy topic in any direction. And so, Lord, this morning, we just offer up this area of our lives as well. The stress that it can bring, the uncertainty it can bring. God, maybe we're standing here feeling really confident and really good about our finances and really good about our generosity. God, I pray that we would drop that too. Right to you, Lord. That, God, you would open us up again. That you would examine this area of our lives again. God, I pray that we would be content in you in a place of surrender, not because we have put our foundation or our feet on our budget or our finances or our skill set or our job or any of these areas. We surrender to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, 
sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.